Well, good morning again, church. We have a fantastic scripture this morning. I'm going to be reading for us out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. Get ready for this. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Over uh, 25 years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta, Georgia for two weeks. It was a fun trip. I was a part of the National Association of Church Business Administrators, and they were doing a course there at Emory University. University. Let me start over. Wow. A little over 25 years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta, Georgia for two weeks. It was such a great trip. I, we had gone to Atlanta because I was a part of the National Association of Church Business Administrators, and I was enrolled in a two-week course they were having there at Emory University. And over the weekend, we had some time off, and we had decided on that Saturday to uh, go sightseeing. And I can't remember if we were trying to find a certain place or if we were just driving around. It's been too long ago to remember. But what I do remember is that what started out as a potential enjoyable afternoon soon devolved into a fight and frustration. You see, my wife was driving the rental car that we had rented, and I was going to be the navigator. Now, this was during the time before cell phones, really, and I actually had a physical map in front of me, a paper map, and I was looking at that, trying to give us directions on where we were going to go. Now, for those of you who know me well, you can probably see the fatal flaw in this plan. Now, I can't fault my wife. We were still pretty much newlyweds at the time, but here's the problem that we had. I rarely know where I am and where I am going. I am the type of person who can get lost in a store. I often forget where I park. I don't know north from south, east from west. There are oftentimes I'm driving and I have a panic attack because I've forgotten where I'm going. And there are many, many times where I'm traveling someplace, someplace I've even been before, and I forget how to get there. That's just the way I am. Now, I think God, though, had mercy on me and allowed me to grow up in West Texas. At least everything is flat. So if you get lost, if you just look around a little bit, eventually you can figure out where you are. 
And also most of the cities in the panhandle of Texas, they're, they're built on a block system and, and the streets have some semblance of order so you can figure out where you are. Atlanta is a whole different story. They have trees everywhere. There are so many trees in Atlanta, and, and there's so many trees that you don't know where you are because the trees are in the way of everything. You could be standing right in front of the place where you're supposed to be going and not even know it because there's trees blocking the view. Uh, and on top of that, city planners uh, thought it would be helpful to name every street in Atlanta some variation of peach. In fact, there are over 71 streets in Atlanta with the word peach tree in the title alone. I can't imagine that many variations of peach tree. So here we are, we're driving, enjoying ourselves, and uh, we somehow make a, a wrong turn on some variation of peach and end up on a different peach tree street, and we find out that we are lost. In fact, we're, we're driving around, and, and all of a sudden, we come to almost like a T in the road, and right in front of us, it looks like there's this giant wall about 50 feet high. It is ominous. We had run straight into a prison. It kind of freaked us out. In fact, we kind of looked around, and we realized we're probably not in the best of neighborhoods either. You, you see... <laughs> This was not what we had planned. We were not looking to run into a prison. Uh, this was not what we had planned. We were lost. And what was worse is I, I had a map, but I didn't know where we were to figure out how to get to where we wanted to go. Have you ever felt that way? I know I've felt that way oftentimes, especially during this time that we're in right now. Now, I will say that's not the last time that uh, my wife and I argued over directions and where we are. But what had started out as a potentially fun afternoon ended up with frustration and tears. And so I ask you that same question. Are you feeling lost today? Are you feeling lost during this pandemic time? Have you asked yourself the question, where am I going? What am I doing? Am I in prison? Uh, how did we get here? Where are we going? How do we read this map? It, it's hard to find directions in this time in our directionless world. And I have found myself oftentimes a little bit disoriented during this season. But it's during these times that we begin to kind of hyper-focus on what's important. You know when you're lost, other things just kind of are pushed out of the way. You're focused on trying to figure out where you are, who you are, where you're going. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it can be taxing on our nerves and cause us to feel disoriented if we're not careful. And, and as your pastor, it's been a challenge even to, to lead the church, to try to lead our staff in this season as well, to get my bearings. There aren't any clear directions on how to navigate through COVID-19. In, in fact, it's often frustrating as you're trying to find out which way to go and what to do. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a great uh, YouTube video uh, that I've seen a couple of times that uh, is kind of a, a satire on the directions of what we're supposed to do during this time. It's called What We Should All Be Doing at This Time. In fact, let's watch a short clip from it. 
Yeah, I really don't understand why everybody isn't following the same rules right now. They're very clear. So let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason, unless of course you have a reason and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed except those that are open and all stores must close unless of course they need to stay open. This virus is deadly but don't be afraid of it. It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people and it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected that we build immunity. So it is very important that we get infected and also do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there, unless of course you are too sick to go there. This virus has no effect on children except for those children in which it affects. The virus the virus remains active on different surfaces for two hours or four hours or six hours, but in most cases it's days and not hours and it needs a damp environment or a cold environment that is warm and dry in the air unless the air is plastic. Schools are closed, so you need to homeschool your children unless you can send them to school because you are not home. If you are at home, you can school your children using various portals and online classrooms unless you have poor internet, more than one child, only one computer, or you are working from home. She goes on for another two minutes. It's hilarious. And, and that's kind of how I feel during this time. This, these competing ideas about what we should be doing, uh, not having clear direction on where we should be, Going, it's easy to lose our bearings. It's easy to forget where we are, even to forget who we are. We, we need some good directions in this directionless world. So today I want to remind us who we are and where we're going. I want to give you some directions. These directions won't show you how to get online and order groceries from Walmart. It's not that type of directions. At, but they will remind you and anchor you and give you perspective in the midst of a directionless world. They'll remind you that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. They will remind you that you're not alone. They will remind you that you are a part of the body of Christ. Now, if, if you aren't a member of the church, then these directions are an invitation to you to see what the church really is. It's an invitation to join something that will give you direction. It's an invitation to something that can anchor you in the midst of a storm, in the midst of chaos. It can give you a purpose and identity. Now, these directions are from the apostle Peter, not from me. And, and they really are specifically for the church so if you are a member of this church, if you call this church your home, or if you're a member of another church joining us this morning, then these directions are for you. They, again, are a reminder of your purpose, a reminder that you aren't alone, that you're a part of the body of Christ. Now, this time that we're living in, uh, although chaotic, has forced the church to ask itself the question again, who are we? What's important? Where are we? Where are we going? And, and that is a good thing. We haven't been able to do some of the things that we normally do together as a body of Christ. We haven't been able to join together on Sunday mornings and worship in our building. We haven't uh, been able to go to our Sunday school classes. Our Sunday school classrooms are empty at the moment. Now, if we thought that, that all, that's all the church is, then it's easy to lose direction. 
it's easy for us to lose direction. The Apostle Peter knew that. And, and in 1 Peter, as he's writing this letter to the church, he's writing to you and me. And so I want to share again these words from the Apostle Peter. And he starts by reminding us that we have hope in Jesus. That's the first thing. We are a people of hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. That by God's great mercy, we have a priceless inheritance. Our salvation is a priceless inheritance. And and Peter reminds us that through our faith, we have been given power from God. That's that's how Peter starts out in this letter. And then he says says these words, and, and I love these words. Are you ready? Here he says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Someone ought to type amen in the comments right there. Let me say it again. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. You know, that's good news when you find yourself lost. When you find yourself lost and you know that there's joy ahead, that can give you comfort. In fact, Peter says right after this statement that you are going to face some trials, that you're going to go through temptation, but it is a testing of our faith so that we can stand firm during this time together uh, to, to make sure that your faith is genuine. The gift that you have been given, the, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, though it should permeate everything we do. It is this priceless inheritance And so even in chaos, even in times of confusion, we have to hold on to that priceless inheritance and we have to understand its value so that it can guide us in the direction we go. That inheritance is so great that Peter says, even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Even the angels are eagerly watching as you live out your salvation in Jesus Christ. So Peter tells us, how to live in these times. He says, think clearly and exercise self-control. God has chosen you and you shouldn't slip back into old habits that you had before your salvation. This, This good news that you've been given, it is the foundation of our life. So live in that purpose. And then Peter continues on by giving us directions for living. In chapter 2, in the beginning of chapter 2, he says these words. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. He starts with what we uh, as Methodists would call the, the first general rule of the church. Do no harm. That's what John Wesley said. We are to do no harm. Uh, Get rid of any evil behavior you have. When you're lost, stop doing the things that will make it worse. It's not going to help. This is an action item for you. When, When you're lost, don't yell at your wife because you're lost. That doesn't help. Man, you, you probably know that. But how often do we do that? We, we fall into bad habits when we get lost and we, and we get frustrated. But that's, that's what Peter reminds us. Don't fall into those bad habits. Don't do harm. Don't do evil. Put those things away. It's good advice. But Peter takes us from that doing no harm piece to what we should be doing. And he says this, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. 
I like that. You will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. All of us in Christ have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And from that, it should should burn within us a desire to get more of it, to know more and more of His goodness and grace. Like newborns who crave milk, we are to crave after God. We who are Christians have tasted the goodness of Jesus Christ and that gift of salvation, and it should permeate all that we are, all that we do. Don't take it for granted, but let that goodness, that gift, be in the forefront of our minds in everything we do, something for you to long for, something that you can't get enough of. Now, probably most of us don't want to admit it, but we can too easily live our lives not craving after pure spiritual milk. We have too often lived on the ragged edge of worry and busyness and allowed the the hope of our lives to be pushed to the edge. For some, our, our, our faith was a Sunday morning faith, a Sunday morning faith only. And now that Sunday mornings have changed, how is it with your soul? Now that you can't gather on Sunday mornings, or how is your life any different from the rest of the world? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Are you craving spiritual milk so that you can grow in the full experience of salvation? This is where Peter reminds us of who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus. Let me read. He says this, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Though through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. See, we have to remember our foundation, especially during this time. We must stand firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the keystone. And and that foundation should permeate throughout our lives. Not just our lives on Sunday morning, but throughout the whole week. Not just when it's convenient. See, if, if we are not built as living stones on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then when we lose our direction, that very foundation could crush us. Now, let me say it this way. If if you're just playing at church, if your faith is only available to you an hour or so on Sunday mornings, then you're going to easily find yourself lost. You might have your map, but you have no idea how to use it. No idea how to make it active in your life. No idea how to use these directions for your life. As I said before, 
This time is exposing some of the cracks in our character, some of our weaknesses, our flaws. But that's okay, you know, because it's also giving us a great opportunity, an opportunity to be renewed in our faith, an opportunity to take a hard look at how we're living our lives and ask ourselves, what's most important? What is the foundation? Where will we build our life? How are we going to build our life? Now, this leads me to the text that was read earlier this morning. Then Peter is giving us direction for where to go. More than that, Peter's reminding us of who we really are. This is our identity. Let me read. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Peter uses four images to remind us of who we are. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. I like these images. And that phrase, God's people, means a, a, a people of God's possession. In the King James, it's translated a peculiar people. We probably are a little bit peculiar. But when Peter uses these four images of our identity, he's speaking about the church as a whole. Not necessarily about us individually, but it does speak to us individually who we are. But it's more about who we are as a body of Christ. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. So I want us to take just a moment and meditate on these four images. First, you are a chosen race. I love that idea of being chosen. And it begs the question, why were you chosen? Why were we chosen? Was it because we're so much better than others? Not at all. We're chosen because of God's great love for us. He chooses us. He desires us. When you feel lost, remember, you've been chosen. Second, you are a royal priesthood. Do you ever think of yourself in those terms? It's, it, it might be harder for some of you to think of yourself as being part of a royal priesthood. But I believe this time is forcing us to face this image head on. You might have thought that the purpose of the church was that you could come on Sunday mornings and, and hear a great message, consume a message, get a, a cup of coffee, fellowship with some, some people, and then be on your way. If that was your image of church, I'm sorry, because that's not what the church is. You'll stumble over the cornerstone Jesus if that's what your understanding of the body of Christ is. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of a, a priest, I, I typically don't think of the Old Testament image that we have of priests. I, I typically think of my Catholic brothers and sisters and, and the idea of a priest there. You know, uh, those priests, they're, they're dressed in black. They have the, the white clerical collar on. Uh, that's what I think of when I think of a priest. So do me a favor, if you would, just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about this. Just imagine yourself getting up in the morning. You're getting ready for the day. It's a typical day. Maybe you're going to work or to school. Uh, what a typical day might look for you uh, now or even before this pandemic. And as you're getting dressed, you're getting ready for the day, you, you put on a pair of black slacks and a, a black shirt, and you button up the shirt all the way to the top, and then you attach a, a clerical collar. And as you're looking in the mirror, you, you see yourself dressed as a priest, now you're ready to go to work. And as, as you, you're envisioning that in your mind, just looking in the mirror, what you look like, are you laughing? Are you wondering to yourself, am I going to a, a costume party? Or is this who you are? Would your behavior be different because you're wearing a clerical collar? Would your speech be different when you go out into the world? Will how you're, you talk to people be different? Will, will how... People talk to you be different. Okay, you can, you can open your eyes. That's what I want us to get, that image, that we are called to be priests. We are called to offer salvation through Jesus Christ to the world. That is all of our calling if you are a member of the body of Christ. Your identity is a royal priesthood. I invite you to live it daily. Third, you are a holy nation. Now, let me stop you right now for a moment and remind you that the country you live in is not holy. But we as the church, the body of Christ, we are called to live holy lives. Are you living into that holiness? It's, it's kind of uh, falls into that whole idea of being a priest. As being a priest, we are called to be holy, living differently than the rest of the world so that we can show people the love of God. Which brings us to the fourth and final one. You are God's very own possession. I don't know about you, but that brings me great joy, great comfort. God knows me, and He still wants me. Still desires for me to be in relationship with Him. And from this identity, Peter gives us some final words in how to live in this crazy world. He gives us directions based on our identity on how to live out our identity in the world, this world that is so broken. He says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. We are temporary residents in a sense in this world on the way to our final home, heaven. But as we live out our lives here and now, we must be careful to live properly among our neighbors, those who are not believers, because we should be the example for them, to be a light for Jesus, for those who are lost. Church family, you are a chosen race, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. 
I pray it gives you direction as you live out your faith today. So let me speak to you who call yourselves Christians. Are you feeling lost? Do you need directions? You have a whole body of Christ that stands with you, that you can lean onto for direction and help in this time. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you as well. Live into that. Know that in, in spite of the feeling of maybe feeling lost, you're not alone. You have a future hope and a future home that will be better than anything you can imagine. Lean into that faith today. Now, for those of you who are spiritually curious, who wouldn't call yourself a Christian, who are seeking after direction, I, I would invite you to come to Jesus today. He is the cornerstone that can give you purpose and direction for your life. The one who saves, the one who desires to guide you in truth, the one you can build your life upon, the firm foundation, the sure foundation. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for this reminder of who we are in you. And this reminder that no matter what life is giving us, our hope is in you, our life even now is in you, our future is in you, our direction is sure, even when we feel lost. We thank you for that. Help us as your church to live together in that hope. And for those who are lost today, who don't have your hope, Come, Holy Spirit, fill them even now. May they give their lives over to you even now. They might not even know what that means, but, but I pray, oh God, that you would begin to speak to their hearts and help them to reach out to get guidance and further guidance. We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.